0: Australia are from one side to the other. It gets the ball, the ball way, to Morgan. Morgan the Comes to O'Neill. four No! No! no, no, no who League. We're fresh in the middle of round one of the NRL season. We'll get to Parramatta's loss a little bit later. I don't want to spend too much time on that. We've got a killer panel this morning. A big good morning to Britt Carter from ABC Grandstand. Hey,
1: Mary. Thanks for having me.
0: Pleasure. I'm so pleased to have you here. And... For the second time, Mel Dyniaski from Fox Sports. Good morning, Mel. Hello.
1: How are you?
2: Very
0: well. It's so good to actually have you in the <laughs> studio this morning. Welcome. It's great to be here. Fantastic. Well, I thought we'd start the show off because it's been a massive wake in sport, all sports. Uh, Mel, what's caught your eye this week?
2: Oh, a couple of things. Well, we've got the Davis Cup still going on this weekend, mm-hmm. of course, um, but I quite like seeing Adam Scott getting back in the winner's circle Uh, earlier this week at the Honda Classic in Florida. So that was pretty cool. He hasn't won in so long. I think 2014 was the last time he'd actually won a title. So finally back in the winner's circle. It's great to see. It's always good to see someone Mm. back in the winner's circle after a bit of time, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he's, he's had such a successful record, but he struggled for a little bit between going from a regular putter to a broomstick putter. Now he's back to the regular putter with the new rules, banning anchored putting. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes to the Masters, which is the big, big championship that's coming up next. But now he's won more titles than any golfer currently in the USPGA under the age of
0: 40. Mel, you sound like you're all across your golf.
2: <laughs> I actually used to play golf when I was younger. Did it was, you? It was like my idol, yeah. It was him and Tiger and then Tiger did all those terrible things. Mm-hmm.
0: So, <laughs> I Look, if I would ever play golf, it would be for the outfits. Oh, oh, yeah, no, it's very preppy chic. <laughs> yeah. I do like that about it. I, yeah. I love a preppy chic look. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll get into our golf this season. Maybe it's we can sharp. go to putt-putt.
1: I can imagine you in a pom-pom hat, Mary. Yeah, I, I've got a
0: couple <laughs> at home, actually, but we won't get onto my hat collection. Brad, what about you? What's caught your eye this week?
1: Oh, you can't go past the Matildas. Such a fantastic week for them. I'm a bit disappointed in the Daily Telegraph this morning. So about 14 pages back, we have a story on them that's three paragraphs long and they're one of our most successful teams at the moment. So I'm not that happy about that, but I'm glad to see they've popped up on Swoop. One of the main stories on there is Ellie Carpenter, who's 15 years old, first millennial born to play for Australia. So fantastic to see her debut.
0: So I saw the article on Ellie Carpenter and, and just sort of read the headline that she was the first millennial, but I didn't quite realize that she was 15 years old. Like yeah. when you told me that this morning, it blew my mind.
1: 15 years old, represented Australia at, uh, in the under 16s in mm-hmm. the young Matildas and now in the Matildas squad. So 15 years old and the world at her feet, honestly, should, should have a great career ahead of her. Well, I,
0: I can't wait to talk a little bit more about the Matildas later on. Uh, Britt mentioned Swoop, so I just wanted to give Swoop a little bit of a plug. Swoop is the newly launched Daily Telegraph portal that focuses solely on women's sport. So it's been really good actually to see this year. So SBS have launched a similar portal that's called SBS Zilla. We'll be be having Danielle Warby and Lucy Zelich in the studio in a couple of weeks. But it's great to see the Daily Telegraph also get on board because the more coverage that we can get for women's sport, I think the better.
2: Absolutely. I think we were saying that it was disappointing to see the WNBL finals just not appearing on our radars, really, and that's just such a shame because Mm -hmm. these are professional athletes and they work just as hard as the men do, if not harder, having to pull a part-time job as well on the side.
0: That's what always astounds me, that these women are playing sport professionally yet often have to juggle the demands of a full-time job as well and have to sort of have employers that are are comfortable with them and and very flexible with them because they obviously need to go to tournaments internationally, they need to train, they need to travel. Um, Our female athletes are just... Big thumbs up. Definitely. There uh, was an
1: in- oh sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, <laughs> ahead Britt. There was an incredible story that um I think it was Melissa Barbieri was telling on the Seven Network during the Matildas coverage about Chloe Legazo who's just started playing for the Matildas and she's from Brisbane and she had to actually give away her landscaping job because it was taking too much toll on her body and affecting her football. Mm -hmm. And so she had to give up her job to pursue soccer. And that's
0: not a choice that I I think people should have to make. No. Particularly when the money in professional sport for women isn't often enough to – you know, to sustain them. Mm. And you'd
2: want to be the whole time. You'd be hating being there, I'd imagine, unless you're lucky enough to have this great outside regular job passion. Um, You'd be hating it. You'd be just thinking, man, I wish I was out on the pitch. I wish I was training mm-hmm. to do what I want to do full time. You can't.
1: Although one of the, the great things about the women being semi-professional is they have the chance to study. So a lot of the male stars, in especially in Australia, mm. don't, you know, I think there's Usman Khawaja. he's He's a big one that's done a degree, but Many of the male stars don't have a degree and when they finish up in in the sport, they don't have anything else to do.
0: So that's something that I've often spoken about with the NRL and I know we see a couple of NRL players getting into trouble, but I'd really like to see our codes encourage our players to go and do a course, to do a degree, to have a job outside work, even if it's for a couple of hours a week, just to give them something else to focus on. Because the reality is they play football for you know, a couple of years if they're lucky. Not everyone is lucky enough to have a fruitful career. And then, you know, what do they do after that? Mm, that's right. It's, it's it's something
2: that I've also said that they should incorporate more of. If you compare it to American sports, mm-hmm. for instance, they all go through that college system. Yeah. So at the very least, I mean, there's questions over where they actually completed their college degree, like, you know, as they should. <laughs> Maybe a bit of help on the side. However, um, at least they have that to fall back on, which is always a great selling point for those sport programs to get them in as mm-hmm. well. Absolutely. That's right
1: and they have to get good grades to they do football, you can't, don't You they? can't
2: – you're not eligible as a – say in the NCAA, you're not eligible to play if you're failing, you know, math or, or communications or whatever you're studying. So, you know, you have to keep that up to scratch.
0: No, I love that. Um, Before we sort of wrap up this segment, I also just wanted to say that first shots have been fired in the broadcast wars in the NRL this year. (laughs) I didn't realise that this was a thing until this week when I saw the broadcasters, you know, going at it. Oh, broadcast
2: wars, my God. It sounds like a terrible textbook in Journalism 101, doesn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it absolutely does. I think it'll be interesting this year to see how Channel 9's figures – you know, change throughout the year depending on what happens with Fox. I know that I watched the NRL on Fox last night and whether that's because there were no advertisements, uh, whether it was because I prefer, you know, the experts that are on the Fox the Fox broadcast, it'll be interesting to see how the audience figures change. I mean, something I notice, <clears throat> and I'm speaking
2: as a Fox Sports employee yes. here, um, full disclosure, <laughs> uh, it is something that is... Pr- it's presented in a far more, I think, having grown up watching free-to-air and mm. now watching a lot more pay TV. It's just a lot more polished product. There's there's also, because it's pay TV, mm. there's less of those, you know, those terrible plugs for some upcoming TV show. Oh. I know that's what grates people the most. <laughs> when you're watching the footy and then you're like, no, nah, don't care about Celebrity Like, get me out of here or some new show or something. (laughs) Don't care. Bachelor, don't care. I want to watch footy.
0: (laughs) Well, that was the big bash this year, so... As I watched the Big Bash, I absolutely was indoctrinated with ads for Get Me Ce- <laughs> I'm what's it called? I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. It drove me crazy yeah. to the point that I ended up watching episode oh, one yeah, it because it I worked. needed to see who was going into the jungle. I
2: never feel like KFC until the summer of cricket is here. I'm just saying. It's
0: like <laughs> Zupa <laughs> Duper. <All those> <laughs> yeah, so many KFC ads. Well, it's true. And like Zupa Duper, they um they sponsored the Big Bash this year. I used to eat Zupa Dupas <laughs> when I was a kid at the canteen. Like they were fifty <laughs> cents and you'd go there. To get you know a, gra- a grape is my they're probably personal three favorite. now, but then they disappeared, and now all of a sudden everyone's eating zupa dupers after the big bash it's a great marketing campaign. yeah look, know. I'd like to see their figures. If we can get anyone from Zupa dupa to confirm <laughs> how their sales went, I'd be really interested to know. while I could talk about ice cream all day, it's my favorite food in the world. We might take a quick break and then we'll come back and have a chat to Mel about some basketball. I have Ladies Who League, I have Ladies Who Legs Spin. If I were ever to start a basketball website, the name is right there. It's called Ladies Who Lay Up. And what <laughs> better way to start the Ladies Who Lay Up entry than talking about Steph Curry, who is absolutely taking the world by storm at the moment. So for those of you who weren't on Twitter last weekend and, and didn't see it explode, Uh, Steph Curry is a 26 year old NBA superstar who plays for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Last weekend, he broke the league record for the number of three pointers in a season, and the Warriors still have many, many more games to go this season. Um, He makes it look absolutely effortless. Mel, Tell us about Steph Curry. <laughs> he's pretty incredible, isn't he? Um he's
2: he's an interesting character because he came from I think he was still a first round draft pick mm-hmm. so he but then he had an injury in ankles in his ankle and um that set him back a little bit but in the last few seasons he's just been getting better and better and better and we've all just gone along with the ride and I I got to say I feel like he's nearing that Michael Jordan level of pop. Like popularity across Mm -hmm. the board as a sports person. Um, so people who aren't usually into NBA, like, yeah,
0: Steph Curry, what an awesome guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's very much my family. All of a sudden, everyone (laughs) in my family is watching the NBA. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I love about sport, watching these tremendous athletes bringing new faces and new fans to to a game. That's
2: that tribal element, isn't it? And um, that's why I love sport as well. But I mean, like, there was this guy who I know personally, he's not a big NBA fan. He works in music. (laughs) Now all of a sudden I saw on Instagram he's bought this pair of shoes, the Steph Curry brand, Under Armour shoes. I'm like, (laughs) why? But it's because he has that sort of appeal. Prince is mentioning him at his concert. Like, it, it's, it's bizarre but also really fun to sort
0: of follow. <laughs> and I know you were comparing him to Michael Jordan but there are people comparing him to the greats of other games. So I've seen articles comparing him to Babe Ruth, comparing him to someone that has reached the absolute heights of his mm. game and he's 26 years old. still young. He's mm. got a long way to go. Britt, I know you mentioned this morning that He's perhaps changing the way basketball is being played. We were chatting about three-pointers earlier.
1: Yeah, well, I don't really follow the NBA, to be honest. But, I mean, I was having a look at this graph that you sort of passed around before. um, And he apparently is is at the top of both graphs, so plus 300 shots a game on average uh, and over 60% accuracy. So I don't think you need to be a follower of the game to understand how how incredible he is and how much he is changing the game. And this article that we were reading before was just saying how many other stars in the game are now trying to shoot those three-point shots to try and keep up with him.
0: Because a couple of years ago, from what I understand, people weren't making three-point shots anymore?
1: Um, well, they,
2: they were. They certainly were. But there's been a little bit of a lull. Say Ray Allen was quite big in the mm-hmm. early Um, But you know he's a two-time NBA champion. I think that's one of the main criticisms of Steph yeah is that he takes three pointers maybe he's not as physical a player that's something that you hear a lot about but the fact of the matter is why would you why would you need to go to the rim so often if you can make shots as frequently as he can and as accurately as mm-hmm. he can he's got a great weapon at his disposal why wouldn't you use it and he is able to go to the rim that is a false you know criticism there. He's he's physical. He just doesn't appear it because he's not built like LeBron. He's little. People just he, he's yeah he's kind of spangly. He's mm-hmm. got a weird technique about him. <laughs> so but <ugly>. yeah,
0: it's <laughs> a great word, isn't it? Spangly.
2: <laughs> but he's he's you know he's still tall. He's still strong. And yeah, he happens to make three pointers a lot.
0: The other thing that's come out this week is Twitter exploded about. His bad habit of chewing his mouth guard. Have oh, you guys yeah. seen this? I, if, if It was one thing I could change about him if I was like
2: his manager or his PR person, I'd just say just just lose the mouth guard. But
1: what if it threw like what if it threw him off his game? Well, yeah, well, it
2: could be totally like the Gilchrist rubber ball in the glove type
0: situation, yeah. right? It's his lucky charm. So I saw him interviewed, and apparently the story behind it is that when he was younger, he got elbowed in the face and has ever since then been wearing the mouth guard and now it's just become something that he does, especially when <laughs> he's, um, you know, when he's, Is it when does he do it, Mel specifically? Well,
2: he always seems to have it out whenever I look at him. That's the thing that's irritating is that he always has it out into the side when he's just chewing on it. It's kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's like his version of chewing tobacco, it just calms him down. <laughs> it's
1: a
0: bit gross, isn't it? It's, really? it's, yeah,
2: no, I agree. It's very gross. I'm not a big fan of mouth go- guards in, you know, basketball but it's like but
1: people who <laughs> stick their tongue out when they have a shot
2: yeah yeah <laughs> well they have um there's a few like just generally hitting things or playing sport just weird faces that's his thing that's is, his thing the chewing, is of, the chewing of the mouth guard yeah so where to next for him do you think Mel um well I mean a lot of that criticism comes from also the fact that It depends how you determine what makes a best of in any sport. Mm -hmm. He's still just got the one championship. That's right. He needs to get more of those for Mm -hmm. sure if he's going to cement his place as one of the all-time greats. He's also got to stay healthy. He -hmm. does have that prior ankle issue, which is, you know, he's overcome that really well. But if he can just stay healthy, sky's the limit to where he'll go. I think his projected amount of shots for this season is something like 411 or something, three-pointers, which is, I mean, it's
0: more than double than the best mark now so you know It'd be crazy. It'd be really crazy. So I think maybe next week we'll all come in <laughs> in our Steph Curry sneakers? Is that, is that what's going to happen? <laughs> have a little review sesh, which ones we like most. Yeah, for sure. I <laughs> Make sure that... we don't rock up in the same colour. Oh, look, I don't have a problem with that. I'm comfortable. Oh. I'm, I'm okay with that.
1: Well, <laughs>
2: you,
0: you'd be happy for Under Armour to send you a couple of pairs, I'm sure. Yeah, I, you know what? If anyone wants to send me some sneakers, I'd happily wear them on the Ladies Who League podcast next year. I'll even start Ladies Who Lay Up just for that, oh, that very purpose. Yeah, like, get okay. your name
1: on it, like Dre Ross from the.
0: The cricket. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't actually have his oh hang on it was it was bravo wasn't it as well that had yeah they had their sneakers. names on their sneakers did, what did he have bravo had the hottest man alive imprinted on his sneakers oh that's a bit embarrassing. he's humble he's humble yeah yeah it's a yeah. bit of a humble break <laughs> uh so basketball it's a bit new for us we might uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the matildas who are really i think the story of this week So it's pretty incredible. My favourite sport, rugby league, has come back this week. But all I really want to talk about is the Matildas, who are now one step closer to qualifying for Rio after their victory last night. I've got Anna Harrington on the line. Good morning, Anna. Morning, Mary. Pleasure to be here. We're so happy to have you here. And I know you're a big fan of the Matildas. So I might just ask you what your favourite moment of this week has been.
3: Oh, gee, it's a pretty tough call. Um, There's there's certainly been plenty of goals, 14 all up, but I don't think you can really um, really go past uh, Katrina Gore putting a header away against Japan. Um, Pretty huge moment. Um, I love seeing small players put away headers as well, so that's pretty entertaining. But just that game in general, um, it's a huge moment for Australian football um, and women's football as well. Japan have been a powerhouse for Mm -hmm. so long and They've struggled since, well, for the rest of this week, but um, it's a huge moment for the Matildas. They are looking to qualify through Asia for the Olympics for the first time ever.
0: So just to recap, uh, the Matildas won 3-1 in that game and it's the first time that they've beaten Japan in Japan. Is that right, Britt?
1: Since 2010, um, I think, is the right stat. Is that right, Anna?
3: (laughs) Oh, look, um, I haven't pulled up that stat, but last time they beat beat them, I believe, was in that Asian Cup final several years ago and Japan obviously taken things to a new level um, in recent years. A lot of people had them tipped to win the World Cup. Um, obviously, the US uh, women's national team got the job done there. But yeah, um, for the Australians, it's more just huge because it um, could almost be a bit of a changing of the guard. They really controlled a lot of the game. They were ruthless up front. They pressured constantly. They didn't ever look like they were scrapping out a win. Um, I think a lot of people that have Seen how the Matildas have been going in this sort of new era of professionalism um, since effectively that strike a few months back. Um can see the difference between the team we saw at the World Cup, the loss to Japan, and the team um, we saw on Monday night. They're just uh, taking things to another level. The fitness of players is really something to behold. You've got your Katrina Gores running out 90 minutes, where before they would have got subbed around 70. Mm-hmm. Increased intensity. Um, yeah, you can, you can just tell it's, it's made a world of difference. We're really entering a promising era for Australian football.
0: And then it just got better from there. So we beat Japan 3-1 and then we beat Vietnam 9-0. Nine nil. <laughs> just to confirm, 9-0. Nine, nil. nine yeah. goals were scored in that game. Britt, what was your highlight of that one? I
1: was going to say, look, Japan was a massive game because mm. we hadn't beaten them the last three times. Mm. I know that for sure. Um, they knocked us out of the 2014 Asian World Cup. They knocked us out of the quarterfinals last year in the FIFA World mm. Cup, and so there was a lot riding. Forget the Olympic qualifier spot; we just wanted to beat them. But the game against Vietnam—I know we ran away with it—but that Kaya Simon hat trick, oh! I'm a Sydney FC supporter, so I'm a, a big Kaya Simon fan. But that hat trick—I was just so happy to see her get.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and to see such a dominant performance by Kaya was was fantastic. I'm just still in disbelief about the nine nil. I know. I mean, we've just had so many. I had a bit of
1: banter on Twitter going with some other um, journo's, and someone said, "Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be nine nil," and I thought, "No way! Come on, it won't be, it won't be that." and have put some enough, money on that nine nil. It shows
2: some killer instinct, though, because it's one thing to score nine mm. goals; it's another thing to keep a clean sheet and keep right. wanting yeah. to attack. And that's an important thing that the best teams are able
3: to do.
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm. And then I we think ha- the way you look.
3: Oh, sorry, no, guys. You look at it as. Is- the way you gotta look at it as well is um Vietnam, I think to their credit, um, they were they were getting thumped, but they stuck to their structures the whole time. Um they didn't really go out just to park the bus, which um maybe they should have done in terms of preserving the score line, but they're not they're not fav- they were never favoured to qualify from this group. They're not they're not gonna learn anything from just parking the bus against a team like Australia. All you can do is put out your eleven and hope that they can learn something from the experience. Um because uh Australia as a football nation not too long ago would have been a nation that would have been learning not necessarily from nine nil losses but from teams who are far superior to them on the pitch. It's um it's uh, there's obviously going to be a big discrepancy between the lower teams in, in these groups and uh, the top teams. Australia obviously is the top team. Um, I think the other thing in Australia is just the ruthlessness. Um the chances they put away. Um that, you know, players like Michelle Heyman, Ash mm-hmm. Sykes, um those players, Emily Gielnick. Um, Alana Kennedy also scored her first um, international goal. those Chances that are. you just... Uh, uh, look, Alana Kennedy, she's a super player. She can push through as a defensive midfielder. She attacks. Um, she loves to play out from the back. But, yeah, it's just seeing those players um, putting away goals. And you have a couple go your way, like that ridiculous Kai Simon one from the angle, Claire Polkinghorne. Um yeah, game. you can
2: that was a good
3: one. it's a combination of <laughs> taking um taking those easy tap ins and uh getting a few belters and all of a sudden it goes from maybe a five nil win to a to a nine nil win and we're all sitting here wondering how it's happened.
0: And then last night, because they're not talking about it in the papers, we've got to talk about it here. Britt, you watched that game as well?
1: <laughs> yeah, So we in the end mm-hmm. we won two nil. We scored both of the, the goals in the First half, and it was enough to hold on for the rest of the game. But Kaya Simon, I have to harp on about her again, <laughs> having a bit two, of fan goal moment. I love two it. Two minutes in, scored the first goal. Mm-hmm. So just pure dominance. And Emily Van Egmon in her fiftieth game for the Matildas also scored a penalty. And so before it was even fifteen minutes into the game, we were two up, and mm. that just shows our dominance in this competition so far.
0: Well, let's hope that it continues. Anna, can you tell us what the Matildas need to do now to qualify for Rio?
3: Well, I think they only need to secure a draw um, in their next game. But I think if I'm um, trying to get the job done over North Korea, North Korea, it might actually uh, sort things out for us. But knowing uh, the mentality of this group and Alan Stajic, they want to win every game. they all want to come through with 15 points um, out of 15. And you back them in to do it at this stage. They you think they will have to make a couple of changes. So um, Elise Cullen Knight has just done a power of work. She's played all 270-plus minutes. Um and a defensive midfielder in five days, which is just ridiculous. Um and uh yeah, they're managing they haven't really got um defensive midfield cover with Ivy Luke um pulling out with a quad injury just before the tournament. Although um, Elise
1: Carpenter did fantastic attacking her. Ellie, yeah, Ellie <laughs> Carpenter.
3: yeah, she's a yeah, she's a really talented actually. She just slotted in it right back. Um it'll be more about just getting her a few minutes here and there. The Vietnam gra- game was a great opportunity for her. You can really see um one of those classic young players, we can see there's heaps of talent there, but it's just going to be about getting accustomed to that top flight football and getting your positioning right. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a really good tournament in terms of seeing um, a few players really emerge. I thought Michelle Heyman's Hay- really stepped it up in that game against Japan. She was a proper number nine, demanding the ball and finished well. Um, it's the best I've seen our play from Matilda's. Chloe Lagazzo, um, another player people wouldn't have tipped to be playing, probably not too much at all, um, in this tournament, I think has been one of the standouts with their intensity and attack on the ball and their skills as well. It's, um, yeah, as I said, I think they'll be going out looking to win. Um, the big thing is they've got such a strong defence, especially when you've got Paul Kinghorn slotting in as a right back. Um, you've effectively got three big centre backs between her and Kennedy. And uh Alloway. And then Steph Catley is always uh reliable at left back. We have like, to mention Kellen Knight, there. sorry
1: to jump into. Kellen Knight is so underrated. Yeah. She's fantastic.
3: Oh yeah. She's been um in the FIFA World Cup, I think, you know, team of the tournament the last two years in two different last two tournaments in two different positions at left back and then a defensive midfielder. She's a super player and uh I think for her and Emily Van Eggmond taking the time over in Germany is only going to make them even better they're very technical players and they're hard-working players and you, they're creative players and you can't have enough um, footballers like that in your squad
0: sounds like it is such an exciting time for women's football in Australia Anna we'll definitely have to get you on I'm going to say when the Matildas qualify for Rio to have a chat about that I <laughs> think, calling th- it. No problem. Yeah, I'm calling it now <laughs> I'm confident uh, Anna thank you so much for joining us this morning it's been great talking to you No worries. Thanks, guys. Absolute pleasure. No worries. Well, we might take a quick break there and then we'll come back and talk about rugby league. I'm going to call this my mixing pot segment because there are just a couple of of mentions that I want to make to some other sports. The first thing that we've got to mention is congratulations to the Brumbies last night who ended up being clear winners over the Waratahs 32-15. In the end, the Brumbies really ran away with it. Am I allowed to say that I think I'm becoming a Brumbies fan because of David Pocock? It's
1: a fair call. I think it's He's a pretty impressive guy, so I I wouldn't blame you at all if you
0: took them for me. Thank you very much. You can you can come (laughs) on again. Uh also wanted to mention the crowd.
1: Yeah, so, so just after lunchtime yesterday, 16,500 tickets had been sold and the final official crowd was 20,142. So lots of people in Canberra, lots of people backing the rugby and their mm-hmm. players, which is fantastic to
0: see. It's good to see. It'll be interesting to compare that to the crowd this afternoon for the Canberra Raiders' first game, first home game of the season.
1: That's right. Well, Canberra really seemed to get behind their sports. I know I was down for the W League semi semifinal, um, you know, Back when that was happening and there were so many people there. It's just, Canberra just love their sports and they really back them.
0: That's what I like to hear. Now, we'll jump quickly to AFL. I want to give a quick shout-out to our favourite girl, Eleni Gluftis, or Eleni G, as she is affectionately known as on this show. She made her debut as the AFL's first female umpire during the match between Essendon and Carlton last weekend. 119 years to get a female umpire in the AFL, so we're getting around Eleni Gluftis this season. And finally, just a quick shout-out to Carmen and Caroline Martin, uh, most of you probably won't know who these two girls are, but they're sisters who are going to represent Australia in Taekwondo in Rio. So a great family story to wrap that segment up. It's now time to talk rugby league. I'll take a quick breath and be back with you shortly. And it's time to talk NRL. We had a big game last night. The Bulldogs ended up absolutely thrashing the Manly Eagles, 28 to 6. Now, Britt, I've got to say I'm not much of a tipster at all. In fact, usually if I predict someone to win, they're not going to win But the Bulldogs were the team that I thought were absolutely going to be unbeatable in this game. And it's interesting, a lot of people tip the Sea Eagles to win, but I just think with eight new fresh faces in their team, it's going to take a little bit of time to gel, and I think that's what we really saw last night. Manly looked quite rusty.
1: That's right. I mean, well, the halftime stats, Bulldogs had 62% possession. Mm -hmm. The Sea Eagles just 38%. Tackles, Bulldogs 123, Sea Eagles 179. Mm -hmm. Errors, Bulldogs made three, Sea Eagles made six, and missed tackles. The Sea Eagles missed 12 and the Bulldogs missed three. So I think that's really illustrative of how the game was going. Mm -hmm. And then even when it got to you know the end of the game I think the Seagulls came back a bit that possession ended up being 48 percent of the Bulldogs 52 but they just ran them off the park really I mean the Sea Eagles were just on their line and defending most of the mm-hmm. game.
0: No they sure were and as I said, I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for the Seagulls to gel. That Dylan walker Daily Cherry Evans combination was looking a little bit rusty last night. Uh, so Manly fans, I would say hang in there. It's only been one game and I, I expect to see Manly in the finals, to be honest, because Daily Cherry Evans is is just class and they have a lot of class in that team. Uh, so that that was last night's game. Britt, I know you want to talk to me about Parramatta's game on Thursday night. <laughs>
1: I expected the Eels to do better, to be honest. After winning the Auckland Nines, mm-hmm. I know they've got a lot a lot of young, fresh players in mm-hmm. there as well. But I just expected better from them. I mean 17-4.
0: Okay, so <laughs> everyone knows that I'm an Eels fan and I, know, I'm, I didn't want to
1: come on here and get never get asked back, but No no no. Gotta I'm, to be honest, gotta be I'm comfortable. I'm <laughs> comfortable
0: to talk about it. It might be because when it comes to Parramatta, I often wear rose-colored glasses. Seventeen Four 4 look, disappointed with the scoreline but overly not disappointed with their performance. So to give a bit of context, we lost Kieran Foran to injury I think on maybe Wednesday it was announced that there was, you know, probability that he wasn't going to play. So we had, um, Kieran Foran out and then we lost Corey Norman just before half time. So essentially we played the second half without the two halves that our preseason has centered on. I was really impressed with our forwards, especially Bo Scott and Tepai Maroa. Their go forward I thought was, was very pleasing. What wasn't pleasing was the amount of drop ball, especially from Semi Radradra. Uh, shout out to everyone that had Semi in their super coach team. I'm- me. I'm really hoping that he goes down in price over the next couple of weeks so that I can slot him in.
1: He's still got 72 points though, so he's, yeah. he's doing a good job for
0: me. No, he's doing he's doing a good job. Sammy's, Sammy's a great player and, and a good pick-up. I cannot denounce him after what he did for my super coach team last year. And also pleasing for me was that the Broncos didn't score any tries in that second half, so so that made me happy. And also that Parramatta played for 80 minutes. In the past, Parramatta have been heavily criticised for not turning up for the entire game, while the score was wasn't particularly great for us. It was good to see them put in for 80 minutes. We've got a lot of work to do. I'm hoping that next week we've got Foran and Norman back and that we can really show up against what's going to be a really tough game in the Cowboys. Mm. We've got a couple of big games today. Uh, the first one is the Raiders v Panthers in Canberra. My boy Blake Austin coming off the bench. It was a bit of an interesting selection, but I think it kind of makes sense. Blake's coming back from injury, so they might be wanting to ease him in gently.
1: And he makes such a difference to their game. He's a leader, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he really is. I, I love the story of Blake Austin, someone that really didn't have a home prior to last season. And now he's he's found himself at the Raiders and, and the whole town loves him. He's not only fantastic on the field, but a really good ambassador for for the rugby league off the field too. So big shout out to one of my favourites, Blake Austin. <laughs> and then we go to Tigers v Warriors and we'll have my main man, Aaron Woods, uh, running out for the Tigers tonight. I can't see the Tigers winning this game, Britt.
1: No, I, I've tipped the Warriors. I think that they're going to be way too strong and Isaac Luke in that team too, I just, I just think they're going to run away with it. And
0: it's interesting that we think they're going to run away with it despite all some really bizarre selections on the field by uh, Coach McFadden. Uh, so we've got Sean Johnson playing in the 5'8 position, which is not usually where he plays, and Tui here on the wing. So it sort of shows – how much expectation is on this warrior side or maybe how dismal people think the West Tigers are going to be this season. (laughs) I really hope the Tigers show up today, but look, I haven't tipped them. We'll see how that one goes. And then to finish off tonight, we've got the Cowboys and the Sharks, which I think is going to be one of the best games of this round. I'm not convinced. No? Uh, (laughs)
1: Okay. Right. So I live just out of the Shire and am a Dragon supporter Mm -hmm. and – I've dealt with people every year going, this is the Sharks' year. Come on, Sharkies. (laughs) And so last week when I listened to your podcast, Mary, and you tipped them to win this season, I was sitting there just going, what is she doing? She's just, I just couldn't believe it. I'm just not a a big Sharks fan, as you can tell. They have got a lot of new players, though, Mm -hmm. so maybe, maybe, but I I think the Cowboys will run away with it, and I'm a big Jonathan Thurston fan.
0: Who isn't a big Jonathan Thurston fan, to be honest? Uh, Look, I think it's going to be an interesting game because I remember what happened with the Cowboys at the start of last season. They started none from three. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite newspaper articles, I think it was around round eight, there was a big back page story on the Cowboys and the headline was, You Stink. It was hilarious because they ended up going on to win the premiership. So it will be interesting because the Cowboys have named exactly the same squad tonight as they named for the grand final. And if they come out like they did at the grand final, then okay, I don't think the Sharks have a chance. Why wouldn't
1: you go with that winning combination?
0: Just absolutely makes sense, doesn't it? That's so true. come on, Sharkies, I've tipped you tonight. I think you're going to be the upset of the round. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight. It will definitely be the game that I'm, I'm most looking forward to, I think. And then tomorrow we've got um the Rabbitohs and the Roosters, which is uh, another game that everyone's been talking about. I think this
1: will personally be the game of the round. So uh, many people will know that that's always been both of these clubs first game Mm -hmm. of every season they always verse each other and it's a big battle about poor versus you know Bridge mm-hmm. east versus south. <laughs> yes. Um and it, it's always really, really um, there's lots of tension. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a big game for both clubs and they always they just want to win. The fans get so into it. It's it's great to see. So I think that is going to be the game of the rounds, and I'm hoping that the Rabbitohs will will run away with that.
0: Okay, well I'm hoping that the Roosters run away with that. So you and I are up against each other in this I game. Is like that
1: a bit of rivalry?
2: Sunday afternoon, <laughs> it'll
0: be a perfect afternoon for football if if Sydney keeps showing this weather that it's Been showing over the last week. It's just a perfect opportunity to go and watch. That's right. Hopefully, we'll get a big crowd fingers crossed. That's what the NRL is looking for. It's big crowds. Uh, so that's probably a wrap of, of everything that's happening in the rugby league. I'm disappointed that Parramatta aren't sitting on top of the table, but you know, <laughs> traditionally Parramatta start the season off very strongly. Uh, they usually win round one. And they, they might don't... do a
1: Cowboys this year.
0: Well, they might do a Cowboys maybe because they haven't round... won round one. They'll end up playing finals football this year. You know, stranger things have happened. Maybe I should have tipped the Eels to win the premiership this year.
1: You can only hope, Mary.
0: Only for your hope. sake anyway. Look, it'll happen one. <laughs> (laughs) day so we might leave it there and come back and wrap it up what a blockbuster show we've had today covering heaps of different sports Big thanks to Mel Dinyaski for joining us. Mel's not in the studio with us anymore. She's had to uh, duck off to the Davis Cup. And the big question really is, will Leighton Hewitt play? I think I'm going to start a Twitter poll on that. So make sure you shoot me a tweet. Britt, thank you so much for coming in this morning. It's been great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Mary. can always count count on me to banter with you about the Parramatta Eels. Yeah, look, uh, (laughs) I don't know how often I'll have you then, if if that's the case. (laughs) And thank you to Anna Harrington as well, who came in to talk about the Matildas. Just to mention that I won't be in the studio next week. You'll have to do without Ladies Who League just for one week. I'm heading up to Coffs Harbour with Touch Football for their National Touch League. So you can expect a lot of commentary and play interviews from me later in that week. Uh, And that's about all we've got time for today. Make sure you send us a review on iTunes, shoot me a tweet at Ladies Who League. But that's about all. You've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who League.
3: Too late, too late.